Hello everybody and welcome to another edition of the Africast. Joining me, oh my name is Brendan Lotz and joining me as always is Louis Monzon. Hey guys. And Robin Lichetti. Howdy. Uh, how are you guys doing? This is a, a rather special podcast. Mm. We'll get into it a little bit later. A, a momentous occasion. A moment, end of an era. Yeah. Um, but uh, we'll get to that at the end of the podcast. You have to wait until the end to find out what's happening unless you've been uh, following the website for the last week, then you should know. Um, but yeah, uh, let's get into the usual and uh, chat about what news we've been looking at this week, starting with you, Robin. Yeah, so um, we covered a story, or rather I covered a story regarding Spotify, the music streaming platform, uh, and I guess Joe Rogan's favorite <laughs> platform at the moment. Yeah. Um, Is it not his only platform? No. It's well, not. I guess YouTube kind of, but yeah. Yeah. Um, we don't talk about Joe Rogan, though. No. That's not, that's not the issue today. Um, so another issue, I guess, is really around artist revenue and kind of what artists can actually earn when mm. they put their content or music on to Spotify. Um, it has been pr- quite divisive, especially as Spotify hasn't necessarily been as um, transparent around those kind of mm. The splits of revenue, things like that. Um, but to the, I guess, to the platform's credit, or at least to its South African arm, at least, um, they have shared some details around artist revenue for the entirety of 2022. Mm. Um, they didn't give ultra-specific numbers, but they gave kind of estimations and approximations. Broad strokes. Yeah. So, according to Spotify, at least, um, Artists generated at least 200 million in revenue for 2022. Um, Sorry, these are artists in South Africa. Right? South African artists, that's yeah. great. Yeah. Um, and this is up significantly from uh, where it was four years ago, almost three times as much. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it is a, a pretty uh, significant growth. I mean, is it though? Because that's just accounting for the folks that pay for a subscription, right? Because that's where the revenue comes from. There's no other revenue source for Spotify in South Africa. Like, there's no ticket sales that happen through Spotify. There's no merch sales that happen through Spotify. Maybe advertising. They get like a cut from... Maybe, I suppose, yeah. But I I would imagine that a large portion of that comes from the subscriber revenue. (laughs) Which, I mean, how much is it? $200 million dollars. No, 200 million rand. 200 million rand. That's the artist's revenue. That's not what the platform itself is making. So again, we have been given numbers, but we don't necessarily know what the full picture is. Yeah. So 200 million of 2 billion, for example, mm. yeah. is not a lot. Yeah. But uh, again, we're just, uh, conje- just conjecture yeah. at this point. Yeah, know how work. much Spotify South Africa actually makes. I mean, it could also reflect that now there are more, art, more South African artists on the platform. Um, and and also it could reflect increasing in 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 jet prices in general, you know, mm. um, and for subscription prices in Spotify. Like it doesn't necessarily mean that it, the platform is paying South African artists more. Like each artist, I mean, you'd have to ask artists. Like, are you are you seeing more money than you did last in the mm. last four years? You know, I think yeah. from a stability perspective, probably Spotify is the best bit outside of say SoundCloud rappers and things like that. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I just, I, I've heard from a lot of um, musicians that spot, putting your music on Spotify is kind of just a, a reach thing. Mm-hmm. Like, if you make money from it, it's all good and well. But 
like these streaming platforms, you don't make as much money as you would by like selling an album. The other problem is that Spotify like pushes the idea of playlists rather than listening to full albums, which is where a lot of musicians would make their money mm -hmm. is you listening to their full album. But because Spotify tries to push this, oh, listen to your daily mix for the day or use our truly horrendous AI DJ, remove it, get rid of it. I don't need uh, Ice Cube from Wish.com. Spotify, get rid of it. It's terrible. We have Ice Cube at home. <laughs> so yeah look um you can perhaps kind of dissect the numbers but mm. according to spotify at least there is a significant amount of growth over the past few years mm. um the i'm a piano trend trend for example that has really kind of boosted south africa's numbers or at least listeners yeah. uh, amount of streams um so that specific genre of music um across sub-saharan africa it's grown more than 563% according to Spotify uh, wow. over the past two years. Uh, what, what it was previously before two years ago, I'm not too sure. But again, I think a lot of the viral trends on TikTok helped kind of push mm. the popularity of that kind of genre of music. And I guess a lot of South African artists are now trying to take advantage of that kind of featuring the word I'm a piano in their mm. title phrases or in their tags or however they want to kind of promote their stuff. And I'm, I'm guessing it's having an effect. Um, as far as uh, Spotify explains, um, artists uh, who generated more than 50K, well, between 50 and 500K in royalties from Spotify alone increased by 30% in the last year. So again, there is some growth, again, but we need to know how to, what to measure that against. Mm -hmm. So, you know, credit to Spotify, they have shared some figures with us, but again, I guess you'd have to ask artists, and not the big name artists, kind of smaller up and coming artists, kind of what their experience is like to kind of get a better idea of what the true artist's uh, experience on Spotify is like. Yeah, um, I don't know. I feel like it's, uh, the, I'm too old for this space now. <laughs> like, I just remember CDs and that's how artists yeah, made their yeah. money. I think that the, was the music streaming landscape, like how people make money off the music streaming, is kind of an uncharted territory. Like you hear about Taylor Swift, oh, she has as many gajillion streams and she's making all this money. And, but what about the smaller artists, like you said, you know? What, how, how do they make, how much money do they make? What is the percentage of money they make per song? per stream. Yeah, I think you're starting to see the music, well, you have seen in the music industry, some artists are just churning out content. Mm. Uh, whether it be good or bad, they just have a lot of mm. content out there. I remember people were comparing Drake to Michael Jackson as far as like Billboard Top 100 hits. Mm. Yeah. I think Drake surpassed him, but all due respect How much do you remember? to Aubrey Graham, mm -hmm. yeah. there's the quality versus quantity debate has to be had there. And kind of take Michael Jackson's personal life out of the equation as an artist, in yeah. my view, you can't compare. I mean, I could probably name a lot more Michael Jackson songs than I can Drake songs. You can call me out of touch, whatever. <laughs> but I mean, it's, you, you're right. It's like, I do get the feeling that the current music scene is all about churning out content or churning out music that suits a TikTok narrative yeah. or fits a, a vibe of some kind. It's not really about hey, I want to make an album that's going to resonate with listeners yeah. for decades yeah. to come. But it's also the nature of the beast, right? I mean, when, when now streaming is the largest way that mm. these artists can make money, right? Yeah. The artists want to make money. Previously, 
it's all about the album. Right? Yeah. The album, if you make a great singular album that will attract people to buy your album in CD or the mm. or, you know whatever. But now you can make more money if you have more streams. And yeah. how do you, what's the easiest way to get more streams? Have more songs. Yeah. You know. So it it's like a it's self fulfilling cycle. You know. Yeah. And I guess it's easier to to release singles than it is to a produce album, an entire yeah. album. Yeah. And even if you do have an album, it's like, I mean, there's a band that I follow called Sleep Token. They have, they just released a new album, but in the run-up to releasing that album, they just released basically every single, every song on the album as a single, and they generated hype and listens through through that method. And like, as a listener, it kind of sucks to have the whole album experience ruined for you. Once again, I'm going to show my gray hairs in that, like, when I listened to albums back in the day, it was like a whole story. It was, it was like, this, yeah, they're supposed to be like, yeah, that, it's right? supposed to be like a journey that you go through with the artist. But nowadays, it's just like, okay, well, I got one song and it's going to, that's the only song. And it's going to generate me millions and millions of listens. And yeah. But like I said, I'm old, you know? You back in my days. <laughs> So yeah, hopefully Spotify is a bit more transparent as regards uh, revenue split for artists moving forward. Mm. Uh, this kind of stuff is good, but we want to see more of it as far as kind of what is actually happening behind the scenes. Because I don't think that users or listeners actually appreciate just how much effort has to go into mm. actually making money on Spotify. Just yeah. because you're on the, the hot playlist of a week doesn't mean that you're ranking it in. Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, as always, links to the story and everything else we speak about in the posts of this podcast. Louis, what have you got for us this week? Okay, so in 2010, one Bruce... Philip. Wait, no, not Philip. Yeah, Philip. Who's Philip? Philip, he's here. Who, is the this? 2010 World Cup. Feel it. It's uh, here. Philip. Uh, what am I? Am I not getting? <laughs> Did you not get this? No. So instead of feel it, it is here. Everybody just like shortened it to Philip. Philip is here. Alright. <laughs> I was like, is that is there something about There's the a couple story of people who will laugh? Some people okay. will laugh at okay. that. Okay. Anyway, carry on. Okay. Sorry. Okay. Not Philip. One <laughs> <laughs> Bruce Owen was sitting in his uh, Joburg house in front of his PC in the dark, as uh, you know, cyber cyber criminals do. do yeah. Um, and he managed to steal six hundred thousand rand from the Eastern Cape Department of Education. How did he manage to do this? Well, he used a key logger okay. to access uh, passwords to get into the accounting software of the department. And then he made payments to himself through that software. Okay, so my first question is how long was he making those payments for? He just made three payments. Oh, just three? Okay. Yes. Uh, so he made them all at the same time. And then he pulled, and then he's finished and it's all good, right? Silly. And the payments, uh, he, he kind of covered them up or obfuscated them by, by labeling them as going to certain schools in the province. Okay, right? yeah. It looks like that may have worked for the first decade <laughs> Okay. after the, he, the crime was committed. Yeah. So the money was found immediately. So the money that, was, that was, went out was found immediately. They yeah. saw, okay, this 600,000 rand yeah. went somewhere. But they didn't go to these schools, so where did it go? So the, I, I imagine the initial thought was like, oh, when, where, where does all the money go during these government exchanges? Yeah. And, you know, it goes into you know state capture and corruption. Yeah. And all that. Not this time. 
Wow. This time it was a, it was a cyber criminal who stole the money, right? Wow. And it took uh, the Hawks 10 years to trace uh, the transactions back to to Owen. The With the tracing on dial-up. How it takes so long? Yo, I don't know hell? why it took so long. Uh, they don't really explain how they managed to trace the transactions or how they found out that he was using a keylogger. But he was using a keylogger. Um, and for those who don't know, keyloggers um, are this, it, they come in two types. You can get hardware and software keyloggers. So they, the software kind is not necessarily something that's like a virus. It's not a malware. It's not something that's used by cyber criminals or threat actors. Sometimes it's used by developers. They, you know, they install a keylogger and they have it running in the background while they work so they can kind of look back and see, oh, okay, I, I, I typed all this in. Here was, here was this mistake. Here was whatever, yeah. right? Um, but because how they work, which is that they basically track every keystroke that is made mm -hmm. on, a, on, a, on a PC or a laptop, um, they're able, you, people can take this information and from it, you can kind of get a whole bunch of information. Um, as Kaspersky says, um, user behaviors and private data can easily be assembled from logged keystrokes. Everything from online banking access to social security numbers is entered into computers. Social media, email, websites visited, and even text messages sent can all be highly revealing. So whatever a person types into the PC, if you're using a keylogger, you will see this. So that raises a bunch of questions for me, right? What kind of keylogger did this guy use? I would assume if it was the Eastern Cape and he right. was based in Joburg, I would assume that it's a software version yes. of a keylogger. Um, yeah, I don't see him traveling to the Eastern Cape Department of Education, scheduling uh, an appointment, slipping a USB. USB into the back of a computer. Yeah. Seems a bit too much effort. It's for very me. dramatic. Yeah, it would I be mean, good for a movie or something. Let's be honest, your cyber criminals are usually very lazy. Mm. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I am also lazy. Yeah. And I would do the thing that requires the least. Wait, did you just out yourself as a cyber criminal? No. <laughs> out to myself as a lazy human. Okay. Well, uh, this. Okay, so. As I write in the story, there's, there's kind of different... Uh, obviously, what you say is logical. Mm. And I agree. But right? I mean, yeah, this, this is seldom well, what, logical. What, but the, what the department... Uh, not the department, sorry. The Hawks, uh, by a spokesperson, say... They mentioned that he used a keylogger device. Oh, well, now that's different. Right? So then... The, the fact that they use the word device means that it was a hardware keylogger, right? So then how did he manage it? There's no actual information on this. So we could, you know, spend hours guessing of how he met. You know, he, oh, the, the person, the, the department worker at the time with the laptop of, you know, the target laptop was uh, in a, they met at a coffee shop or something. They were sitting there and the cyber criminal came and snuck the, US, you know, you can think about so, it. In, so there is, a, there is a way that you can get a device onto a network okay. with very minimal effort. So all you do is you purchase about 100 thumb drives. Yeah. You load all of those thumb drives with malware and then you chuck them out in a parking lot somewhere. Mm. And you just wait for somebody to plug them in. This right. is something that has been detailed in like the likes of Mr. Robot, but it is something that happens. Right. Um, I've recently just done an interview where somebody said that that is a good way to get access to mm. a company with very minimal effort. So it could be as simple as that. I mean, did, did the Hawks say if this guy's working alone? So they didn't say if he had any accomplices and he mm. was convicted by himself. Right. You see, cyber criminals also often don't often very don't very often work alone, mm -hmm. right? Like there may be one person who's doing, but there's more than one person. So there, working. there could be someone at the offices of of the department that kind of helped the situation. So along, many questions, right? And not a lot of answers. No. 
what we what I'm guessing as well what could have happened is that uh, through a phishing attack yeah. the keylogger could have gotten onto the target's mm-hmm. laptop but also there. 2010 man that's yeah, so a long time ago and I mean like most people say it's only a decade but if I think back to 2010 I mean I wasn't streaming media so internet wasn't yeah. wasn't as good as it is now I don't even think LTE was widely available at that point mm. So like yeah, one year before Skyrim came out. So that yeah, there wasn't much happening back then. Man, okay. So what makes this kind of crime a bit more heinous is Mm. that the money that was supposed to go that that this person stole was supposed to go towards buying food for students Uh, in in Eastern Cape, which is the poorest province in South Africa, Um, and it's currently uh, on on like there's a crisis where a lot of these schools aren't able to purchase food. For students, a lot of students are going hungry, and uh, I suppose they could have used a 600,000 rand, even though in the larger scheme of things, it's not that much money, right? But I mean, it's when you're feeding hungry people, that right. is a lot of money. So, <sighs> Damn. that adds a certain spin to it, but despite all of this, um, the gentleman was only convicted for three years, uh, full prison sentence, so he's going to prison for three years, he's going to spend his time yeah. there. Only three years. Um, the thing is, cybercrime like this isn't so much... Uh, it's not, it, it really depends on the maliciousness of the crime, mm. right? Perhaps he didn't know that the money was being sent to, uh, f- for kids and stuff, you know, to feed kids. Yeah. Um, uh, he didn't really hurt anyone directly, right? You yeah. could argue that he did. Right, but I think because of that, he didn't get uh, any longer sentence. Like the maximum for cybercrime of this nature can be up to fifteen years. Right. Mm. Um, so yeah, know. it's uh, it's a crazy story. I mean, if I I don't know. I think the fact that he took money that was destined to feed people, I don't give. Well, I mean, that's a full a, that's what the department years. says. I, I true. I mean, who do you believe? Right, mm. the department who may have been compromised by state capture or. The hacker who stole money. I mean, I don't want to put my trust in either of those mm. parties, if I'm honest. But it's good that they caught him. Yeah, yeah it's good. It's good that they caught him. Yeah. Ten years later. I mean, at least they caught him. Justice right? has been done. At eventually. least they caught him. <laughs> at least they caught him. <laughs> right. Moving on very quickly. Um, OnlyFans. You guys, uh, you guys have an OnlyFans? Do I have an OnlyFans? Yeah. Yeah. Do uh, I produce content for OnlyFans? Yes. That was uh, unfortunate. <laughs> I'm more of a wiki feet man. Myself. Oh, wiki feet. Okay. Uh, well, OnlyFans uh, reports, or rather, the company that oversees OnlyFans, Phoenix International, uh, provided a strategic report for the year ending 30th November 2022. So this is for November 2022, not uh, 2023's data. So this data is a year old, but. Uh, this report revealed that there are now 3.1 million creators on OnlyFans, which is a 47% increase compared to uh, 2021. Uh, and these creators drew in $5.6 billion in payments before taxes, refunds, and other things are calculated. Uh, and given the way that OnlyFans uh, structures its take versus what uh, creators what creators are paid, uh, it earned OnlyFans a cool $1 billion in the process. So creators basically took home $4.6 billion, um, while OnlyFans took in $1 billion. However, what I thought was rather interesting is that the number of fans only grew 27% from 187 million to 238 million. And while that's a pretty big jump, it's a far smaller percentage of growth than the percentage of creators. Mm. 
And I think it's worth mentioning that OnlyFans is kind kind of lives and dies on how many fans there are. You only make money if you have fans there who right. are paying you. And uh, if you're somebody who started on OnlyFans during the pandemic, hoping to make ends meet, and maybe you did, uh, I would love to know whether that is still the case because it seems like the pie is just getting smaller because more creators are coming on, more people are spending money, but also the global economy is kind of in the toilet at the moment um, and people are cutting spending. Uh, while OnlyFans has reported a gro- uh, have reported growth for November 2022, I'm curious to see what happens now in this current period where there's an economic downturn, where spending has decreased significantly. We're seeing that across the board uh, with digital services. Um, but yeah, essentially, like OnlyFans did pretty well. Uh, they did mention something that I found rather interesting. As the creator economy continues to grow, there's an increased focus from traditional social media platforms on attracting content creators to their platforms. Mm. So while they don't mention it, I'm pretty sure that they are talking about X or Twitter, yeah. which has been on a push to bring creators to its platform and share ad revenue with them. Uh, Twitter also has subscriptions, which uh, is a paywall where content creators can put content behind that paywall and then users can pay to access their content. Um, there's also the uh, ad revenue share, which was recently opened up um, and there's been big payments there but I don't know whether it can compete or whether it even wants to compete with something like OnlyFans so I know Unif- uh, sorry OnlyFans is kind of associated with adult content mm-hmm. um, something that they try to shrug off uh, during the first year of, of 2020, rather, the first year of the pandemic. They tried to kind of ban that content, which was a really bad move for them. Um, but I'm curious to know whether like, whether it's something that Twitter and Facebook are looking at. I don't think so. I think advertisers would not be too keen on Definitely that. I mean, not Facebook. Yeah, I mean, I think that, especially with OnlyFans, OnlyFans is kind of a place where you go looking to support a content creator right whether it's adult content or whatever like Mm. i'm not i don't really care what you're doing on OnlyFans, people but if you're going there the the intention in my mind is that you're going to be paying somebody for content right exclusive content that you can't find anywhere else whereas on twitter first off i'm never going to pay somebody on twitter for tweeting that's just never going to happen Mm. um and it's also like creators there are getting a share of advertising revenue, just like creators on YouTube are getting a share of advertising revenue. They can ask for donations, but it's not the core of the platform. Whereas something like Twitch, again, there you are heading somewhere where you can access content for free, but the kind of the gist of the platform is that you become a subscriber. So I don't really think that this tracks. I don't think that traditional social media presents a risk to OnlyFans. I think it has a very unique business model. I think, if anything, somebody like Patreon would be a threat to OnlyFans. Yeah, I was just thinking about Patreon. Um, so I don't think that the social media stuff will work out because uh, there, for like at least as I understand it, there's only a f- certain things that draw people to Patreon to support creators on Patreon, mm. right? And that's exclusive content. Yeah. Right? But it has to be exclusive content that people... Uh, uh, I think a tweet is too limited in in, yeah. in in something that could be a draw for people. Mostly like behind the scenes mm. or like content like... Be- or, uh, so a lot, yeah. one thing that Patreon, people on Patreon do, especially uh, like YouTube creators, is that they'll release 
a video on Patreon first for yeah. patrons, and then they'll late like a month or a few weeks later they'll put it out on yeah. YouTube for everyone, right? Yeah. So early access to content. Uh-huh. Um, another thing that draws people to Patreon is like goodwill, you know, yeah. towards creators. Like you yeah. want you want to support a smaller creator, mm. you go on Patreon because you you like them and you like the content and you want to support them. Yeah, yeah. You, it's kind of like a charity thing, a charitable mm. contribution thing. Definitely, that's not happening on Twitter. Right? Yeah, no. Um, and and OnlyFans. I think it's the vast majority of the people who are making this money are doing adult it, content. Are definitely doing yeah. adult content, right? Mm-hmm. Which Patreon does not allow to a certain point. Yeah. Patreon blocks a lot of uh, explicit nudity and stuff like that, mm-hmm. right? So that's probably why uh, a, a lot of there was a, a big migration of Patreon creators to OnlyFans, um, and that's probably why OnlyFans will kind of continue growing in this yeah. way. Well, I think you can have both, right? You can have, uh, I guess, a platform for adult content mm. and those creators. And you can have a platform in the form of Patreon that is for more traditional YouTube yeah. and stuff like that mm. when they want to have uh, content behind a paywall. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I, I, think, I think they can both exist. I yeah. don't see how X gets in, involved in there. Or Facebook or Insta. I just don't think that traditional social media is a threat to uh, OnlyFans at all. I just I don't see it. I don't see how they put that down as a risk. It's I think just the only threat to OnlyFans is actually uh, the internet. And by what I mean by that is, say 20 years ago, yeah, something like uh, the Sports Illustrated Swimwear yeah. edition. Mm. That was a physical item that people, men, yeah. wanted to buy. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the internet made it obsolete. Yeah. Same with stuff like Playboy. Yeah. It made it obsolete. Mm. I'm, I'm just kind of sticking with adult content because that's what only, only fans, fans is. Yeah, the realm it plays in. So that's the only thing that I can see potentially impacting OnlyFans is that you'll get um, some bad actors, for lack of a better term, that will pay for access to your content, mm. but mm. then distribute it themselves yeah, in some it. kind of way, mm. leak mm. it in order for a bit of money. Yeah. Mm. That's the only kind of real threat I see to OnlyFans at the moment. Yeah, and I think Google has been cracking down on stuff like that. Um, they recently announced a whole bunch of like privacy changes. Yeah. And one of the things was if, um, if, your co- if, if you can petition Google to take down content, Ah. that's on there of yourself, right? Okay. That was been put up there without your consent. Um, especially if it is uh, commercial, right? If it's, yeah. if it's been monetized. Okay. Right? Um, so, for example, if you if you go on Google Images and you see pictures of you, okay, you're an OnlyFans creator, and you see pictures of yourself on Google Images yeah. that are supposed to not be are supposed to be exclusive, yeah. you can ask Google to take that down. Right? Okay. So clearly, that's a, well, something that Google have have been hearing from people and. Like Robin said, it is it is a threat more than social media is a threat. Yeah. So yeah, OnlyFans pretty doing pretty well. Um, would I advise that you become a creator? Probably not, um, because yeah, the the pie is shrinking. But anyway, that's gonna wrap it up from news for us this month. And uh, for the first or for the last time, rather, we're going to go through what we're looking forward to for September. Um, and I think we'll start off with you, Robin. Mm. Um, what are you looking? What releases are you looking forward to in September? So as always, I haven't stuck to the script. Of course, I mean, I mean we, we expect <laughs> this now. Um, I don't want to say look forward to. I'd say intrigued by or interested in, uh, okay. for varying reasons. 
Um, all of my picks come out on the 29th of September. <laughs> what? What luck? Uh, yeah, I'm just good like that. Um, <laughs> as far as the game is concerned, I am interested in EA Sports FC 24, which is replacing FIFA. I have played FIFA games since uh, FIFA 98. Yeah. Um, so I am a fan of the franchise. Uh, but I'm also more recently have been reviewing their games. Mm. The latter half has left me a little bit jaded as far as what EA Sports has been able to produce. Uh, I understand that the franchise is very iterative, but there just seems to be a distinct lack of innovation. And the only reason why FIFA has proved more popular is its licensing. That's mm. still going to be the case, however. Obviously, now it's losing the FIFA in the name, and now it's being rebranded as EA Sports FC 24. Yeah. Uh, I'm interested to see what they're going to be doing differently for this title. Uh, it, f from what I've seen as far as gameplay and kind of behind the scenes footage that EA has shared, it looks like it's using the same engine um, that I think it debuted almost four years ago. Yeah. Um, I've ha seen some gameplay, nothing looks dramatically different. Um, the player faces don't look... Uh, too nightmarish? No, not too nightmarish, I guess. I mean, uh, obviously there's a bit of controversy when they released the uh, Ultimate Edition oh, cover. Yeah, yeah. Uh, some of the players did not look like they're supposed to. Uh, but in general, the look and feel of the players seems fine. Again, for me, the, re the reason why I'm interested in this is to see whether EA Sports is willing to evolve, to innovate, to improve its title, or it's happy to sit at the top of the heap where it currently is. Because as we know, Konami's eFootball, whatever it's called now, yeah. is, a, is a disaster. Yeah. Their pivot did not work at all. So now EA Sports kind of has free reign to do as it, see, as it sees fit. Well, I mean, FIFA said that they were going to make FIFA games, didn't they? All due respect. <laughs> <laughs> Say what you will about EA. But they have the, the resources and their capabilities to pull together a title like FIFA. Yeah, look, I mean, I, I don't like McDonald's, but if I'm hungry and I want a burger, mm. I'm going to pop in at McDonald's because mm. I know I can expect a certain level of quality in inverted commas. I mean, I don't enjoy it, but I mean, it's a means to an end. And if you play football games and you enjoy football games, this is going to be a means to an end. Yeah, so, you know, best of luck to FIFA. If they want to create another FIFA game that's comparable to what EA Sports has done, it'll cost a lot of money to mm -hmm. do so. Best of luck to them in that regard. Um, so, yeah, um, I'm interested to see what this game is going to be di do differently. I don't actually suspect that it will do. Um, I'm also interested to see whether or not we get the chance to review one. Uh, notably, EA Sports, or rather EA in general, has been a little bit shy when it comes to giving out code to South African publications. Mm -hmm. um, hopefully that changes. As we know, FIFA, as it was previously, was a huge title for South Africa. Yeah. Everyone plays it uh, competitively. It, it's one of the leading titles as far as esports yeah. is concerned. Um, so yeah, hopefully they come to the party and allow reviewers to get their hands on it and actually share their thoughts as well. Because again, I think they're quite happy to keep the status quo as it were. I think they almost have to because how many people are going to know that EA Sports FC is the replacement for FIFA? Like, is 
if I don't if I don't follow gaming, right, I don't know that EA that EA has lost the FIFA license. I think everyone still calls it FIFA. I yeah. think people will still be calling it FIFA five years from now. I mean, but the, how is EA going to get across that this is the new FIFA without it being FIFA? I do wonder how many people are just going to be lost left at the curb because they don't know. So if I was EA, I'd do all the branding, I'd minimize the the name, right? Mm-hmm. Put your big EA logo yeah. and put like you know football stars yeah and then put like the, the box what the box looks like in the picture that's it right yeah because i mean you can't yeah you can't use the fifa name at all even to say we're the new fifa because mm. the also the, the the ea sports fc 24 is it does not it's roll a lot up, no. you know, it's it's terrible i think i'll probably just shorten shorten it to like fc 24 yeah, something like that. Just, yeah. yeah although that Oh, well, I guess UFC is not on year; it's on which uh, which number they're on. Yeah. So it's like UFC five or whatever it's going to yeah. be. Yeah. for it anyway. Um, yeah, the game is not cheap. Uh, the standard edition will cost you one thousand and ninety nine rand. What? The ultimate edition yeah, will cost you one thousand four hundred ninety nine rand and ninety five cents. It gives you a few cosmetics. Uh, the only benefit is seven days early access, but even then. I mean, when did this yeah. start happening? When did this nonsense of hey, pre-order, pay a lot more money? I blame Starfield. I blame Starfield. Well, we're going to talk about that. We will talk about that. <laughs> but that's nonsense. No, stop uh, it. Yeah, I think actually the games we're going to talk about now all feature that in some way. Yeah. Yeah. It's a player, baby. <sighs> Just give me the cosmetic rubbish. <laughs> I don't care. Stop with this early access nonsense. If your game is ready for early access, your game is ready. Yeah, Release it. Anyway, Robin, sorry, we got distracted. Yes. What's next? Um, so next is my movie pick. Uh, it's called The Creator. As mentioned, it's 29th of September, it releases. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this is going to be one of a series of kind of movies in the genre. Um, it's set in a future war between the human race and the for- forces of... Evil. Artificial intelligence. Oh, uh, we kind of saw it with the latest Mission Impossible movie. AI was the big bad. Yeah. And this is, AI is the big bad here. Um, it stars uh, John David Washington. That's uh, Denzel Washington's son. Okay. Him in uh, Tenet. Uh, and what was he in recently? That was bad. <laughs> I can't remember now. He was in something recently I watched that was bad. But I st- I'm still a fan of his. Uh, yeah. I, f- I think he's a good actor. Uh, it's been it's been written and is directed by Gareth Edwards, who's handled the first Godzilla movie okay. that came out okay. when the Monarch verse was being kind of created. Uh, yeah. uh, he also obviously did uh, Star Wars Rogue One, mm-hmm. which wasn't too bad either. So he has a decent track record, I think. Um, and yeah, it, the kind of premise of the film is that uh, Washington's character plays a, an ex special forces agent who is recruited to hunt down and kill the creator which is kind of the entity behind the, the, the AI that is warring against humanity. Um, but there's a twist. Oh, of course there's a twist. Because the AI, for whatever reason, takes the form of a young child. So Washington's character is kind of torn between whether he has to kill the child, just like end the war and destroy the AI, or let the child live. Mm. So... I think there are quite a few tropes in this, but I think this is going to be one of the movies that kind of kicks off an entire genre, or, not, or rather, it, it re-kicks off. Because I remember AI was a big thing that people were talking about. It, it, come, it kind of happens like cyclically. Mm-hmm. Every 10 years, it becomes an issue that people want to make movies yeah, around. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I think this is going to be like the latest batch. Okay. So I'm interested to see what, 
if they can kind of steer away from tropes and and actually deliver something decent. Um, the series that I'm choosing is a spin-off of something that I think we're all fans of. Uh, it's called Gen V. It's a spin-off of The Boys. Okay. Oh, okay. Uh, it's coming to Amazon Prime Video, 29th of September. The first season's kicking off then. Um, and basically what happens is the series uh, follows a group of young people that are trying to become superheroes. They enroll in, a, in, in for all intents and purposes, a superhero college. Yeah. Um, but it's not... Uh, Animal House uh, kind of university okay. hijinks. Um, <laughs> it gets pretty real pretty quickly. Um, obviously, we know um, V, the substance that is used to kind of give people superpowers. It's something that factors very heavily in the series based on the, the title. And we kind of see, obviously, the, the trailers, if, if anyone has seen them, are in typical The Boys fashion, very gory and violent, if you like all those things, which we do. <laughs> um, and yeah, it'll be kind of interesting to see how they are building out this The Boys universe because we saw a, a animated series called uh, Diabolical mm. come out from The Boys. And um, yeah, it looks like this is kind of the ne next property. This is live action, not animated. Um, but yeah, hopefully it'll be interesting to see whether or not um, characters from Gen V will cross over into The Boys and vice versa. Mm. Um, yeah. Uh, another nice uh, Amazon Prime video series to get stuck into the, later next month. That sounds awesome. Louis, you're up next. Okay. What right. do you got for us? Okay, we're talking about uh, the pre-release early access <sighs> thing. Mortal Kombat 1 is has two release dates. So if you buy the more expensive premium or collector's edition... With a K. With a K. <laughs> you can play on the 14th of September. But if you're just a plebeian and buy the... The base edition, you get, you have to wait five more days to play it on the 19th of September, right? So, you know, you got to pay to play, like Robin said. Um, this is the latest Mortal Kombat from NetherRealm Studios and Warner Brothers. Uh, it is basically a reset of the entire universe of Mortal Kombat, right? Uh, just like a top-down graphical updates, uh, st uh, story updates, um, I think the new moves, uh, new systems. There's, there's, uh, they kind of they scrapped uh, the previous game's customization options and stuff like that in favor of cameo fighters. Right? This is where I get into a, a bit of anger. In what is cameo fighters? Okay. Cameo with the K, of course. Oh, yeah. It's kind of everything that, that has a CSK is Mortal yeah. Kombat, right? So um, when Mortal Kombat came back, mm. Mortal Kombat was terrible for a long time, uh -huh. right? So after the golden age in the arcade, yeah. there was the dark The console. 3D era, yeah. yeah. The console dark edition, you know? Yeah. That's when Deadly Alliance... And uh, and other terrible Armageddon. We don't mention such. Gosh. Those games were not good. But then, you know, Mortal Kombat 9 came out. Yeah. And that was a co-op. You know, you could swap between mm. your fighters in the in, in in the battle, right? And that was really cool. And it was more serious. And it was it actually had some good fighting game mm. mechanics. You know. Um, and then every Mortal Kombat season, and they've kind of. They had, for some reason, NetherRealm has this thing where they have to swap in and out these gimmicks to make it interesting and stuff, yeah. right? Um, if it's not co-op fighters, it's customization options like in the previous one. And now yeah. the latest one is the cameo fighters. Okay. So basically, it's, a, it's an assist button. Okay. So now there is an assist button you press and a cameo 
from the many from the annals of Mortal Kombat yeah. will jump out and punch your opponent, right? Okay. Or, you know, do like a crazy a special, scene, move. A special move, right? Yeah. So in the trailers, you see, you see the robot Cyrax. Yeah. He comes in and he throws a missile at your opponent or um, uh, Motaro, the centaur, in yeah. the latest trailer with the, with, um, the new Shao Kahn or whatever. Yeah. He comes out and he beats up your guy. And, uh, and the cameo fighters also have cameo fatalities, right? Mm that you can use them to do the... F so it's kind of a way to harken back to the history of Mortal Kombat, um, which is being completely just just flattened and, and buried over in this new universe that we're seeing now. Liu Kang is now the fire god. Yeah. He's replacing Raiden as the kind of the, the overseer of the universe in some way, shape, or form. He obviously has time powers now after the last game story. Mm. It was very intense and weird and okay. Um, and a lot of characters are now, what you knew about them is now completely turned on its head. So, for example, Scorpion and Sub-Zero, their rivalry, so Scorpion was part of a different, a, a different ninja clan and Sub-Zero, they were like part of ri rival ninja clans. Now they're on the same clan, right? And they're, okay. they're friends. So they're using it to retcon a whole bunch of stuff. Yes, as well. they're using it to retcon a whole bunch of stuff. Um, and yeah, I don't know exactly what that has to, what that means for the story. Uh, they're gonna they're gonna do different stuff. They're gonna do different things. The combat, the or the fighting game. It's it seems like more Mortal Kombat. Um, it looks good. It looks triple A. You know, uh, I'm. We'll see if if people are into it. I'm sure it'll be quality. Um, so yeah, Mortal Kombat. I can't believe it's already time for a new Mortal Kombat. Like, and they announced it like really quickly. It yeah. was like at uh, Jeff Keighley's Game Awards. Yeah, was that, not? <laughs> yeah indeed. So um, they were working on it for some time. I'm sure they had like a B team working on it while the other game was was being cooked. Um, and just immediately, here we go, Mortal Kombat, more Mortal Kombat. Um, so yeah. So um, if I can just go back to the additions that you get, right? Yeah. Um, the each so Mortal Kombat for some reason every game there's a pre-order exclusive that a character that you get a new character so in the previous game it was um, Shao Kahn yeah was the pre-order exclusive in this game it's Shang Tsung he's the pre-order exclusive so if you pre-order any of the editions you will get Shang Tsung um, oh, old man Shang Tsung no no new sexy, new man sexy handsome Shang Tsung oh, okay. right um, you, if you get the premium edition or the collector's edition, you will get a Jean-Claude Van Damme skin for Johnny Cage. But, uh, quick, that, quick, quick question, where's the crossover there? I don't understand. This is, it's just too on the nose though, because Johnny Cage is action hero, Jean-Claude Van Damme action hero. Yeah. They do splits and they're you know movie stars. Try harder, Netherrealm. Come on, guys. Yeah, there, there's also going to be a whole bunch of uh, new cameo um, DLC. Cam they've already announced a DLC um, for the game. Now they're doing that stuff now. Okay. Um, we we're talking about um, the boys. Mm. So uh, I forgot the name of the, the big Homelander. Homelander <laughs> will be in the as a cameo fighter for uh, Mortal Kombat. Okay. Um, as well as. Omni Man, I believe his name is from from Invincible. From Invincible, yeah, um, yeah. So pretty crazy. I think they fit right in with the gore and the yeah. the violence of the universe. Yeah, I wonder if we'll get uh, the Deep as a cameo <laughs> fighter. I hope not. No, I'm sure it'll be a crossover for whenever they do a new Injustice game. He can be the the new Aquaman. <laughs>
a skin for Aquaman. <laughs> Talking about terrible things. Yeah. Uh, the next thing I want to highlight is uh, The Nun 2. Uh, it's coming on on the 8th of September. Um, it is a... I don't know at one point. It seems like I, I had fallen asleep. And when I awoke... The Conjuring had a cinematic universe. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you guys have noticed this. Mm -hmm. right. Yeah, I have noticed it. Right. Uh, I thought maybe, oh, this is a cool horror movie. Uh, now everything apparently has cinematic universes. Um, so The Nun 2 is another spin-off from The Conjuring films. Which started in 2013. Let's just point this yeah. out. The first Conjuring was in the 2013. Wait, hold on then. Because the, there's The Conjuring, there's Annabelle. Yes. Yes. Which, and that Annabelle is meant to be like a prequel. Right? Yes. Yeah. And The Nun is what? Another kind of prequel. Okay. It's a different side of the story. It's a different prequel. Even though they're kind of connected in a way because The Nun demon shows up in the Annabelle movie, right? Too many demons. Right. <laughs> also, there's The Curse of La Llorona, which was very bad. Um, but that's also part of the, of the wider Conjuring universe. Conjurverse. The Conjurverse. Uh, so, yeah, The Nun 2... Um, it's basically uh, a sequel of the prequel. Okay. Right? Jesus. Okay, um, we're getting nun, deep in here. The nun demon Valak returns. Yeah. The Marquis of Snakes is what they, what they call the demon in the first movie. Um, returns. But this time, it's different. Instead of a church that's haunted, it's a boarding school. Uh. And there are children in need of protection. And the nun, um, Sister Irene, she's the nun. But also there's another nun, which is the demon nun. <laughs> There's a lot of nuns. Happening. Oh, that's where the two comes in. Yeah. <laughs> I see. Uh, okay. Even more nuns this time. Um, she has to protect the children on this, in, this, in this boarding school from the demon nun who has returned somehow. Uh, we'll, I guess we'll find that when we watch the film. Um, the first nun movie was kind of this... Um, it was more in the past, right, than the mm. other film, the other country movies. It wasn't modern times. It was more like... Uh, you know, I think it was in the 1800s, I believe. Yeah. I might be wrong. Um, but it was kind of cool to see a more gothic vibe to these films. Um, it was very creepy. Uh, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Uh, I don't think the new Nun movie will have the same kind of vibe. I disagree. I think it might. Okay. Purely because uh, James Wan is involved. And he was the uh, producer and director of... Not the director. The producer of the last yes. Nun movie. Mm -hmm. Um, and he has a really good track record. And he's producing to, this one too. Yeah. Right? So I mean, I have a bit of faith. I mean, mm -hmm. if anything, it'll just be a good scare. So James Wan is the Conjuring universe. He's yeah. he's the Conjuring man. Yeah. Right. So obviously <laughs> he has his fingers in everything, in all the Conjuring stuff. Um, so we'll see. Uh, it's definitely one of the more unique cinematic universes out there. Um, and yeah, I, I think for good clean horror. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about the McDonald's. In terms of the McDonald's horror movies, yeah. the Nun is up there, yeah. right? And the Conjuring are up there. So absolutely, right? And and more horror kind of minded stuff that also has to do with gaming. Castlevania Nocturne, the Netflix series, is coming out on the twenty eighth of September. Um, have you guys seen the uh, the first few Castlevania sh uh, seasons in the show? Yes, very good. Very good, right? Excellent voice acting, excellent animation. Tremendous. Also really good story, uh, great character work. Um, so the Castlevania Nocturne uh, follows, instead of um, the, the Belmont we had in the, the Trevor Belmont, which we had in the previous uh, season, it's his ancestor or his... Uh, 
I guess Ford ancestor, or Trevor Belmont is the ancestor of Richter Belmont, who is the main character of this uh, of this season, um, and uh, he is also cursed with the Belmont curse. He has to go and fight monsters and vampires and all sorts of terrible, spooky things in Eastern Europe. Ooh. <laughs> um, and he he's joined by a whole new cast of characters. Uh, a, a new speaker magician lady is in there. It's not um, sci-fi. It's another an, a new one. I'm not too kind of well versed in the Castlevania lore, you know. I I do imagine that our favorite uh, half vampire um, Alucard will feature in some way because he's immortal, right? So he can he's kind of in all the in all the games in some way, shape, or form. So I'm sure he'll show up in the show. Um, and yeah, just for more just quality, good animation. From from the West, you should watch Castlevania Nocturne. I definitely will. I'll give it a try. I mean, I love the Castlevania games, so mm. I'll give the animation a try. Right, on to me. And uh, I guess we'll start off with a game that also has a uh, staggered release date. Tremendous. Uh, and that is Starfield. But I do, I think we've spoken about this enough in terms of what, whether we're excited for it or not. Um, have you guys seen the uh, discourse that's played out over this oh. week regarding Starfield? No. Yes. So, okay, so this is all based off of pre-release stuff. Mm -hmm. So technically nobody can talk about this game. Even if somebody has a review copy of the game, which Hypertext does not, just for full disclosure, as of time of recording, um, nobody can disclose details of the game as per whatever the agreement is with Bethesda and the reviewer. But we've started seeing rumors that uh, the planets on Starfield aren't really planets. Like they are individual zones where you can travel to. Um, and it'll take you about 30 to 45 minutes to traverse each zone. Then you can get into your ship, go to another zone on a planet, explore that zone, then go to another so zone. So like Destiny 2. Sort of, right? Yeah, it's not like you can explore the whole yeah, planet. Yeah, it's not seamless. It's, a, it's zones. But we must state that this is only about... Uh, well, this is only based off of pre-release reviews off of rumors, essentially. Mm. We don't really know. Mm -hmm. um, we don't know if this is because it's a uh, pre-release version of the game and uh, Bethesda only wants reviewers to be able to go to certain places, not get lost not spend three hours in an area they're not supposed to be in yet. Like, we don't know. But so far, it seems that everybody's calling Todd Howard a sweet little liar again mm -hmm. because it's been said there is a, there is a tweet on Bethesda from, an, from somebody who was working on the game saying that you'd be able to traverse the whole planet. So we don't know. Um, but there is a lot of people that are upset about this, and I think that everybody needs to just hold off. What we should be upset about, though, is the fact that, once again, we have this, and Robin, you rightly mentioned it, is that Starfield has a staggered release um, with early access beginning on the 1st of September, that's this Friday, but the game fully releasing on the 6th of September. Um, six whole days. Six days, yeah. It's not even like the day before or two days yeah. or you get to play on Monday and everybody else plays on Friday. It's, yeah. I think what sucks really about that, specifically with Starfield, is that mm. you're going to have a lot of people spoiling everything yeah. for others. Mm. Which is the other thing that people are raising is that this way, this release thing is just, it spoils a game. Mm. Especially something like Starfield, which is all about a narrative exploration that you're doing, right? Sure, there's ways to get sidetracked and what have you, but like Bethesda games are generally in the past have been these kind of deep things with a story that you go through and like a big twist at the end, right? Mm. Like Fallout 4 had it, Fallout 3 had it, um, and 
I don't know if Fallout 76 had it. I gave up on that game. The twist was it was terrible. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was the friends we made along the way. Um, but Starfield looks to have like a sort of narrative that you are following. Mm. And yeah, I, I don't I, want that ruined. I think a lot of also, even if it's just not story spoilers in, in particular. Um, like seeing the, a planet there's even. There's going to be so many cool, unique secrets and mm. stuff that you kind of get through the exploration and the gameplay and perks and skills and characters that a lot I mean obviously Bethesda's doing it because they want uh, that six day period for people to start seeing things from the game and being like I can't wait anymore mm. I'm going to pay this extra amount to get the game now yeah. right obviously that's not the greatest yeah right um, but yeah there's, there's definitely going to be so much information out um, I don't think Bethesda cares yeah. whether people are spoiled or not so uh, the one I think savior of this game I think is going to be that it's launching on Game Pass mm. um, I don't think it's the pre-order version is going like you won't be able to play from the first but from the 6th of September you should be able to play Starfield on Game Pass um, which I think is going to be the thing that kind of helps it a lot uh, in terms of just conversation and having the game being played by people it's not going to help the bottom line of microsoft at all because i mean sure you can pay or people are going to pay for game pass but they're not paying full price for a game um there's also a bit of division with this game because this is essentially a pc and xbox exclusive it's not launching on uh, playstation 5 the first but there's the exclusive yeah games. essentially um and a lot of people are a bit uh, for want of a better word, but heard about it. Um, and I get it. I mean, you've played every Bethesda game on basically any console for the longest time, and now you can't. So I kind of get it. Um, Not bad at all. I've just played God of War Ragnarok. Yeah, and also, I mean, okay. I think a lot of people have started to compare uh, Starfield to uh, No Man's Sky, mm. which just had an update uh, on Friday. The gameplay is so similar. Like, you can't yeah. can watch the Starfield and not think... Hmm, I can already do this, you know, similar. I do hope it doesn't create, like, unrealistic expectations of the Bethesda team that they're going to be updating uh, Starfield with this kind of regularity. Too late. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, okay, so famously No Man's Sky was terrible at launch. They promised a lot of features which weren't present at launch. But Sean Murray and the team at Hello Games really have come to the fore with this game and they have provided consistent regular updates to the game. Large free updates. Yeah, to the point where people are like, you have to play No Man's Sky. So I don't know. There's also like, there's already well-established games in terms of... um, uh, of space exploration like Elite Dangerous which people love there's EVE Online there's Star Citizen which isn't really a game um, <laughs> but yeah I mean there's there's a lot of games in this field and I don't know whether Bethesda is going to have a hit on its hand it's all about whether it has that Bethesda magic right that I can't put this down I want to see what's over the next yeah. hill I want to see what's on the next planet that absorption thing right where yeah. you just kind of become the character yeah exactly yeah that whole role playing game thing is actually about playing a role but yeah Starfield uh, 1st of September or 6th of September if you are a normie Um, I'm gonna just touch on a I didn't pick a series because I'm finding it very hard to find good series at the moment especially with the uh, Writers Guild 
of America and the Screen Actors Guild of America are currently in strikes. Mm -hmm. Um, But I do want to point to something that is launching on Netflix on the 27th of September. It's called Encounters. Mm -hmm. And it builds itself as a really serious exploration into the fact that we are seeing aliens everywhere. Well, not we one guy who heard accounts from another person who do, he didn't actually see them he heard accounts from other people who had seen the aliens um but yeah given the the conversations surrounding uh what are they called now uafs yeah unidentified aerial phenomenon uaps unidentified aerial phenomenon um yeah apparently now aliens are visiting us Never mind the ongoing financial crisis that's happening or the cost of living reaching massive new highs or the fact that everybody's about to go war with each other. No, aliens. Let me see them aliens. Aliens. Yeah. Um, So if anything, I think this might be if you are a believer, if you want to believe, um, this will give you some evidence. But if you are not a believer, I think it's going to make a kind of humorous look at, at this sort of thing. Or it might convert you. Like, I don't know. I think it's interesting either way, right? Yeah. I mean, like, there's always... Yeah, we can't know everything. I'm not saying that there's no life outside of Earth or that it hasn't visited us before. I haven't seen it with my own eyes is what I'm saying. So, if they can show me that this is real, I'll give it a watch. As I mentioned, it's 27th uh, September, Encounters on Netflix. Um, and to end things off, I'm also going with something on the 29th of September, like Robin. And uh, this sort of references James Wan, uh, but he produced a little movie back in the day uh, on a shoestring budget. Um, and it was a million dollars was the original budget for this movie. Uh, and that movie came, became a cult classic. It was released in 2004. It's called Saw. Ah. And we now have the 10th film in the franchise, Saw X, which releases on 29th September. Um, it's directed by Kevin Gertrout. Gertrude? Gertrude? Kevin. I apologize. Kevin <laughs> Kevin is directing it. And it's written by Josh, Josh Stolberg and Pete Goldfinger. Um, I mentioned the director's name because he's actually worked on all Saw movies from okay. Saw 1. He was an editor in Saw 1. Um, and then he got his first director credits for it uh, in Saw 6, which was okay. It wasn't as good as um, Saw 1 and 2. Three was, uh, maybe. Uh, Saw 5 was terrible, but Saw 6 was okay. okay. Um, Saw 3D was horrendous. Which one is Saw 3D? Um, the line of Saw's. <sighs> oh, now, you've got to, now you're asking me the, the, the chronological order. Yeah. Um, so this would be Saw 7, okay. essentially. Okay. It's not actually three, number 3, it's okay. number 7. Okay. Um, and then obviously we had the, um, the what was it called? Spiral. Okay, so Kevin over here was a uh, a producer on Spiral, which was a it's from the Book of Saw. It stars Chris Rock, uh, and it's not very good. This guy also produced Chris Rock is not a good dramatic actor. No, wow. (laughs) But uh, then he also produced Leatherface, which is horrible. If you are a fan of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre era. the best character ever was Matthew McConaughey. McConaughey. Uh, but Leatherface was awful. It was like an attempt at telling a Leatherface story, but it was a 
just no. Like the recent remake recall that they did, mm. uh, the Netflix exclusive was way better than Leatherface. Um, but yeah, so Saw X uh, stars Tobin Bell as John Kramer or Jigsaw, uh, Shawnee Smith as Amanda Young, um, and Michael Beach, uh, Stephen Brand, and Siobhan McCody Lund, who plays Dr. Cecilia Peterson. So it looks like we're kind of going back to the original Saw timeline with John Kramer as, um, as uh, Jigsaw. But the blurb reads that tracing, chasing a promising procedure that would allegedly cure his cancer, John Kramer heads towards Mexico to go through an experimental treatment, only to find out he was prey for a scam. Now the scammers becomes the prey in Jigsaw's new game. So it looks like he's going down to Mexico, which immediately means yellow filter. <laughs> on everything uh, to let us know that we are definitely in Mexico. John Kramer is somehow alive. I'm not sure how this is happening. Like the dude has died, I think, like three times at this point in the Saw series. Um, also, Amanda is alive, like his original victim who became his protege, who also died, who we saw shot. I think it was in Saw 4. I mean, these are, I don't know. Maybe this is just like, hey, this is actually a sequel to Saw 1, and everything else can be ignored. You know, the requel, the requel style of doing yeah. things. Um, I'm going to watch it because I'm a big fan of uh, the uh, the torture genre of, of horror films. Um, and and uh, <laughs> We're learning so much about each other. <laughs> and uh, I think that it's always just good to see what kind of twisted puzzles uh, the team can come up with for these Saw movies. Mm. So... Yeah, uh, I just really hope that they don't go with the, the yellow filters to show we're in Mexico. You can just tell us we're in Mexico, and we'll, we'll just remember that. <laughs> we'll, we'll put it in the back of our minds. Um, but that's going to wrap it up from what we're looking forward to in September, although there's one last thing that we're looking forward to in September. Um, and unfortunately, that means that the Africast is over. So the Africast will no longer be the name of the podcast. Robin, do you maybe want to just jump in and tell us a bit more about what we're going to be doing. Yeah, so um, we're changing up the format. Uh, Africast has been going on nine years now. Yeah. Uh, so a really good run. But I think us as an editorial team, we're looking to express ourselves a bit more differently mm. from a creative sense. Um, and now we have decided to introduce four, four new shows. Um, and these shows are... We'll do one a month. So uh, the new shows are called Always Online, The Discourse, uh, Geeks Love Lists, and Mass Debate. So we will be doing these shows uh, starting from the 8th of September. That's when the first episode of Always Online will be going up. We'll discuss uh, kind of what the theme will be shortly. But yeah, these new shows are kind of our way of one, kind of engaging a bit more with our our listeners and our readers, and to kind of being able to express ourselves a bit more creatively. And we hope that you guys uh, will engage with us and kind of give us, give us your feedback on, on, on what we're doing, because, uh, yeah, we want to make these podcasts as good as they possibly can be. Yeah, it's less about kind of commenting on what's happening that week and more just general things. So, like, for instance, with uh, Always Online next week, when that episode comes out, ahead of that episode, and even now, we are going to try and draw some input from our audience because mm -hmm. we want to get you involved as well. We want the conversation to be driven by 
the folks that visit our website every day. And uh, we think that these four shows, which will be released throughout the course of the month, one per month, um, I think that that One per will, week, sorry. One per week, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, will be uh, a good way to do that. So for Always Online, the first thing we're going to talk about is, um, I think it's, it's rather relevant, and I think that it kind of gets across the idea of the podcast very well, is the uh, Elon Musk versus Mark Zuckerberg fight and online tribalism. I think that that's going to be a really great conversation. Just Not just talking about Musk and Zuckerberg, mm. but just talking about how the internet separates into these cliques, <laughs> unknowingly, unintentionally, or maybe knowingly and intentionally. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I think that it's a really great way to kick it off. We'll draw some responses whether people are think that they're ever going to fight. Mm. I don't think they are, but... Maybe our readers do think they are going to fight. Maybe they want to see them nerds duking it out, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that's really what we want to do is we want to help people get the opinions of people, not just our own. Um, then uh, the discourse will yes. be a panel podcast where we will bring in experts on subject matter and we'll have a discussion with them. Now, we've done this before, but this is more formalized. This is now something that you can expect every month. Mm -hmm. There will be a panel discussion about a topic that is relevant, that we feel folks want more information on, that we have specifically been asked more information about. Um, and it's just a great way to have a conversation with experts. Yeah, with because we aren't... Yeah. experts as much as we like to think we yeah, are we, we don't know we don't know everything and that's yeah. kind of the whole purpose of this we're bringing the people that do know yeah so the discourse i'm really looking forward to um i think the other one that is really interesting to me and it's kind of happened informally over the past couple of months uh which is mass debate um <laughs> had to put that pause there <laughs> but there one of us will uh take on take on one side of an argument person take the other side and then we'll duke it out mm -hmm. uh, calmly of course um but this is also going to be a way for us to kind of push the envelope a little bit mm -hmm. uh, maybe discuss things that we ordinarily wouldn't discuss in our um, opinion pieces or on our website it's it just gives a bit more dimension to what we do here at hypertext right and then finally we have geeks Geeks Love Lists, which I think is self-explanatory, mm -hmm. but uh, each for each of these podcasts, we're going to be picking a topic, so be it games, movies, books, whatever it will be, and we'll discuss what our favorites in the genre are, why, and then we'll also draw from responses from our readers and listeners to find out what it is that they like, because that's how I find cool stuff to watch and listen to and and just enjoy is by asking other people. Like, I have tastes, but sometimes I don't really know what my tastes are. So Geeks Loves List, Geeks Love Lists will be a way for us to kind of get more in input from the South Africans as a whole. Mm -hmm. And wherever you may be listening to this, whether it be Sweden, the one person in Poland that seems to listen. <laughs> I, I don't know what you're doing, mate, but I appreciate we you. We love you. We love you, Poland. We love you, Poland. Shout out, Warsaw. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that each of these podcasts, we've kind of sat down. We've thought about this long and hard. We've planned these out for the next couple of months. Um, they are subject to change, but we, we, we're kind of happy with the, the route that we've gone and the plans that we've set in stone. So, yeah, keep an eye out for these. It's going to be completely different, but I think that we're going to produce a, a damn good product. Yeah, and I should also perhaps clarify, Africa's is not dead. <laughs> uh, it may come back in a different guise. Um, 
because like I said, it's I was been, just being dramatic. Yeah, it, uh, it has been going for nine years. Uh, and with that comes some cachet and mm. a lot of listeners really enjoy the Africost as a brand. So it's not gone forever. It may come back, uh, but just keep an, keep an eye out for, for any kind of announcement on that front. Yeah, I, I was just being dramatic, guys. <laughs> just, you know, you've got to be like rambunctious. <laughs> but from us for the final episode of the Africost for now, uh, my, my name has been Brendan Lotz. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, from Louis Monzon. It was an honor. <laughs> and from Robin and Chetty. Yeah, take care, everyone. We'll see you next week in a new format. Bye. The number you have dialed is not in service at this time.